Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. Um, it is February 8th. We are here with a Super Bowl recap episode. Before we get into that, we've got a special guest alongside Richie Barnes and Freddie Stevenson, and I'm going to bring our guest uh, right into the picture immediately. Uh, Coach Leonard Hamilton. Coach, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing just fine, fellas. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for taking time to hang out with us. I know you're a busy man even when the games aren't happening, so thanks for thanks for hanging out. Um, I do have to ask you this before we get started. We, we like to ask the most hard-hitting, important questions first. Uh, Double Fries No Slaw is the name of the show, obviously, and an ode to Guthrie's there. Have you had your chance to get over any get any gut boxes while you've had some time off here the last couple of weeks? No, I haven't, but I, I, I really like the, the chicken planks. That's my specialty. Yeah. I'm not, I try to not go too, go easy on the fries, but the planks, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my deal. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. The, uh, the fries will kill you, but but they are good. I mean, I'll say that much. We like the extra sauce and all the stuff that goes with it. So, thanks well, I'm for. Gonna, I'm gonna make it. I'm, I'm gonna make a point to go by and pick some up just in honor of you and your taste buds. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna make sure I, I honor you by going by sooner, real soon. <laughs> we'll take it, Richie. Why don't you start us out, Bob? Yeah, that first of all, coach, thanks for giving us some of your time today. I know you don't have much of it, um, but I enrolled in Florida State back in 2006 and being a, a huge basketball fan, you know, I, I went to pretty much every home game. You guys were there. And I remember when I was there, you know, it was a lot of slow, like grinded out type games. We'd, we'd win a game, you know, 52 to 46. We had that junkyard dog defense um, in the past, you know, five plus years, you've really revamped your the way we uh, approach that and, and it's not uncommon to score you know 80 plus in ACC games uh, and recruits are taking notice as we see in the past five years just talk about you know how tough of a process that was to kind of change your philosophy uh, to the style of play we have now well first I want you to understand that wasn't my philosophy that was survival <laughs> sometimes when you take over programs you don't necessarily always have the luxury of being able to implement your style that you want to play. You have to take what you have and you got to try to win with it. The bottom line is you want to be successful. And so now as, as we started uh, developing our program, we, we were able to recruit the talent to the system that we wanted to implement. And now we are at a point where we plan the style that we want to play. And we also are recruiting to our system. Uh, we try not to put us around a square peg in a round hole. We try to bring in guys who are skilled enough to play the pace that we want to play at, and it's working out better for us. Yeah, and you hit on recruiting, and you know you were getting five stars for for quite a while, whether it be you know Michael Snare, Solomon Alibi, Chris Singleton. But it seems to be a bevy of them now. It, like every top recruit in the in the country wants to hear what you have to say. Just how refreshing is that to where you're you have this program at a point where five stars are. are giving you a call, say, hey, coach, you know, what, what's going on at Florida State? Well, we're in a position now because we, we're in the ACC, and there are nothing but blue bloods stacked on top of blue bloods. And mm -hmm. the, the the most rich traditional sorry, rich traditional basketball conference ever assembled in the history of college basketball is the ACC. You got the, you got the third winners program in the history of college basketball in North Carolina. You got the fourth pro winners program in Duke, the fifth winners program in Syracuse, the ninth winners program in, in Notre Dame, the 14th winners program in, in, in Louisville, 25th is North Carolina State. 
Pittsburgh somewhere up in there, and everybody else has been to the Final Four of the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16. So my point to you, Florida State does not have that tradition, that history. So, you know, now that we're competing with those blue bloods, people understand that we're new bloods. <laughs> we're yeah. not going to ever be blue bloods because they got 75, 80 years of tradition ahead of us. So we're carving out our own little niche, keep kids of buying into it. I have a great staff. that They do a great job of evaluating and making sure that we bring kids into our program who fit who we are. And we just try to be careful as to how we select guys, and it's working out pretty good for us now. Yeah, it's not often you get a guy like a Scotty Barnes who's okay to come here knowing he's going to play like 20 minutes a game or so and, and not take a bunch of shots. But it, you've clearly sold these kids uh, on what this program and culture is. But heading to the season, obviously, we're in a pandemic um, trying to get through it. We're seeing teams struggle across the country. You know, football, you have 85 scholarship guys, so you can deal with a, a few positive tests and contract tracing. Not so much in basketball. When you have 13 scholarship guys, um, being on our second pause, do you feel – better about going through that first one to where you kind of have a blueprint of how to attack it, knowing you can't practice every day. And uh, hopefully you guys come out uh, out of this pause as uh, on fire as you did uh, out of that first one. Well, we haven't had a pause since August, August, not one. So but it's, it's the protocol and the rules and regulations that govern how you handle certain situations it has, has been a little bit challenging for us and we've adhered to them and not allowed it to bother us. I mean, this is, this is a different day. These are unprecedented type times. You can't, you got to be, you got to just prepare yourself for the unexpected. You, you, you got to prepare and not worry about things when things are not normal. So we've tried to condition our players. This is part of what we're dealing with this year. Whatever comes our way, we're going to deal with it. We're not going to allow us to affect us mentally or emotionally. Uh, hopefully we can stay in a good enough condition where we can continue to keep playing. Uh, we, if this the if this is the toughest thing we're going to deal with in our life, then we're going to be okay. You know, so we just got to adjust. Don't have a pity party. Stay focused and let's get back to playing basketball. Coach, just from hearing you talk, I've seen some of your videos out in the media, and I can tell you're a man of faith. What role has that played in your journey and getting you to where you are today? Well, Fred, I sure like to see your eyes, man. Make sure I'm looking at you. you, you you're hiding from me. Anyway, um, <laughs> Freddie, um, I, I've never lived more than 50 yards from a church. I grew up uh, at, almost at the steps of a church. I could throw a rock from my back porch and hit the break a window out at the church that I attended. Every time the door opened, I was in it. I always feel that... Um, Faith has always been a major part of my life. Um, there's no doubt that I always feel that my steps have been ordered. Uh, when I've tried to mess up, <laughs> somehow I know that God in hand has always guided me back into the proper direction. So there's no doubt that uh, that my faith means an awful lot to me. I feel like it's, uh, it's almost sacrilegious not to believe. I believe in myself, believe in our program, and that's how I've lived my life. And hopefully. Uh, that uh, I can inspire someone else. Early on in your career, I, I heard you say how you had to switch things up because you had a system in place, but you didn't have the guys that fit the system. Early on in your career, were there times where you kind of doubted yourself and wondered if you were truly getting through to the kids? And if so, 
how did you adjust to the players that you had on your roster at the time? I, I've never felt that that we didn't relate to our guys. I, I mean, I, we that's one thing. We got a great staff with Stan Jones, been with about 25 years, uh, C.Y. Young, I recruited out of high school, Steve, uh, Dennis, who just left us now, like great doing a great job at Cleveland State, Steve Smith, that's with us now, and the guys who have been a part of our program. You know, I've always thought we've always had great relationship with our players. We've been able to motivate them, uh, get them to buy into believing in our system. I just think that it takes a while sometimes to, to elevate programs. Programs don't get to be in certain position over time, but the media and we have become uh, accustomed to making things happen overnight. I'm just fortunate that at Florida State, people believed enough in our system and our program and given us enough time to be where we are. But I've never lost faith in in, um, in, in the direction that our program was moving in. You know, we, you're always going to have some injuries. You're always going to have some setbacks. You're going to have certain things happen. But I, but I believe in our system. I, I believe in the uh, three things, principle we hang our hat on. You got to play hard. You got to defend. You got to play unselfish. We try to simplify it. We don't try to be complicated. Uh, we, we, in order to play the way we want to play, you got to give tremendous effort all the time. And, and believe it or not, we don't have kids complaining about playing time because I have more kids asking to come out of the game to, to take a break uh, than sometimes I want. But that's the, that's the system that we have. That's the culture that we, we develop. We totally believe in what we're doing. We want to win a national title. There's no reason why Florida State can't put themselves in position to do that. We've been knocking on the door now for four or five years. Uh, we, we, we lost an overtime, uh, we lost a game, overtime game many years ago to, VC, to VCU. I thought we had a chance to, to get to the Final Four. Uh, we lost to, to Michigan uh, when in the, in the Elite Eight, and I thought we had a chance. The, the, the next year, I think we've, we've had some injuries. Uh, uh, lost two players to injuries uh, right there. Once we got in the NCAA tournament, and then Kofa's father passed. That was devastating to our team. And last year, I thought we was on our way, and uh, we we come up short because of the pandemic. And we right back at it again. Uh, we we got going to let it go until we feel like we've done milk this thing for every ounce of milk that we could get out of. What's your advice? a guy that has all the talent in the world, and I'm sure you've been around a few of them, but they don't truly realize their true potential, and they kind of sell themselves short, and they lack a little bit of confidence, and it kind of hinders them from reaching that next level. I just wanted to know what's Coach Ham's advice, not only as an athlete, but somebody out there in the real world that's afraid to take that next step because they don't truly believe in themselves. Well, but there's no doubt that we all are who we are as a result of the experiences that we've that we've we've been through. Uh, every person is is different, and I'm 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 cognizant of the fact that many cases you have a person has to play out of his personality in order for him to be successful. That's somewhat challenging, so it takes a lot of of, of communication. Um, we spend more time coaching our guys' minds than we do their bodies. Uh, their minds and their spirits is what control the effort, the focus, and what they do physically. Uh, many times you have great athletes uh, who play hard, but mentally not connected. So it's a part of education. It's part of communication uh, with youngsters and the people who are instructing them. 
Uh, sometimes we, we 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 have to educate guys and and teach them the process, uh, how the process works. Most people want to make progress, but they don't want to go through the process. They don't understand the process is when you learn, you grow, you mature, and you gain the confidence through the process. But in this day and time, fast food, instant grits, everything wants something automatic, it becomes a problem. So it's, it's a lot more complicated than the giving someone an advice as to how to move from one point to another. You have to know the person, you gotta communicate with them because we all sometimes are starting from different positions, mentally and emotionally, that keeps us from physically uh, being successful. So coach, when I was in school there, you know what, Duke, Carolina, Florida, the Tuck would always be packed in a great environment. But some of these other ACC games, um, not as much. But now I I watch on TV and I'm jealous because, you know, obviously before the pandemic, so we can go back to last year, it it seemed like sellout after sellout after sellout. How nice has it been going from, uh, you know, having 8,000 fans for a weeknight ACC game to expecting a a packed arena for, again, outside of a pandemic times when you guys are at home? And it's, you know, the results speak for themselves when you look at the record the past few years at the TLC double C. I think we've lost, what, four games at home in five years? Yeah, something like 66 and four. Our fans have been good for us, and I think we've been entertaining to our fans. We we. We kind of feeding off each other, and uh, the, there's no doubt that the atmosphere at the Tuck has been very instrumental in the success that we've had. Our, our players feed off of it. Uh, our fans enjoy our style, our system. Uh, it it seems that we're good. We're good for each other. We're finally now <laughs> giving people a little dose of the, med- the medicine that we get when we go on the road, you know. And uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it, Coach. You know, I, I've been to the Dean Dome a few times to watch the, the game behind you guys, and uh, man, I, I don't think it compares to the Tuck on a when the when it's you guys have it rolling. But you know, you guys rewarded the fans last year with an outright ACC championship at home when you guys defeated Boston College, which I think is a much more difficult feat than winning the conference tournament, which you also have done back in 2012. Just talk about how great it felt to be on that ladder, cutting that net down it, it, with your players and the fans and your staff. You know, you mentioned Stan Jones and, and the others. It, just describe that feeling, seeing it all come together in that magical afternoon last year. Well, Richie, I've been very fortunate to have enjoyed a career all the way back to my first job at Austin P, going to the NCAA twice, going to Kentucky, going to three Final Fours, winning 9-10 conference championships and, and, and uh, winning the national title. Um, being a, a part of resurrecting programs at Oklahoma State and Miami winning the ACC mm-hmm. title, uh, winning the, the conference, uh, conference tournament and the, the, the winning the regular season. But to be very honest with you, deep down inside of me, we want more. We, we want to we stand on that ladder and hold that one finger. The one thing good about college basketball there always going to be one school at the end of the day standing there on that ladder with the finger up saying we're number one. And when if you don't, if you're not trying to get to that point, then you probably don't need to be in this in, in the coaching. And so, even though that was a, a, a great moment for me, I want more for our program. I want more for our players, our fans, our school, our alumni, and the people who support us so much. I've I've, I've been in that position. Nothing's like it. And 
And while I'm at Florida State, that's the goals that we have. You know, we want to win a national title for 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 FSU and for the the loyalty that the university has has been to us and how uh, consistent our fans have been in terms of, of supporting us. But we we want we want that for all of us for the, the guys who have played and came in the Florida State and, and helped us get to this point. You know, there's a lot of shoulders that we're standing on, and we want to we want to say thank you by by being that one team standing at the last. So as I'm going through that moment, I enjoyed it. There's no doubt about that. But I'm keeping things in perspective. We we want we want more for our program and for our, our school and for our university and for our city and our community. And we we we're gonna keep working until we get that done. We're uh we're definitely excited uh for you to get there. We all were pretty bummed out in March. We thought we had a pretty good chance to get there last year, but we're gonna we're gonna pray and Hope that we can do that this year and then just keep doing it, like not not stop with one. So um, we talked about the ACC rivalries, and I've got a couple more, and then we'll get you out of here. But we talked about the, the ACC rivalries, and I know one of these schools is in the ACC. But uh, having been at Miami so long and then obviously having the the streak that we have against UF right now, do you, do you have a – what's it what's it mean to you when, when we're able to beat those in-school, in-state, big-time school rivals that obviously we just – love to beat in, in every sport, you know, but what's it, what's that like? I'm not a fuddy-duddy, a poo-poo guy. I just don't get emotional one way or the other about rivalries. It, you know, it means, and I don't want to disappoint our fan and say that beating Miami and Florida doesn't mean a lot. That's, that's, that's not what I'm saying, but, but, but I want to not allow myself to get all emotionally in charge for any one team over the other. Uh, we weren't emotionally charged for Clemson, and they bit us. Yeah. We weren't emotionally charged for Central Florida or Georgia Tech. And that's the thing that you fight as a coach, you know, trying to get your guys at that level five focus all the time. And, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I feel happy for our fans and for our school and our players, and that gives you a certain recognition in terms of this Florida community, in terms of recruiting. Uh, but but we're doing what we're supposed to do, you know. That's what we're supposed we're supposed to be successful, you know. And we we're confident that that that's part of the journey, and that's a, a, a another step in the right direction. Uh, but we still want to keep uh, trying to get to the top of that mountain. And as much as I enjoy it, I realize that when those games are over, it's time to move on and prepare for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll. We'll take the answer, but you you just keep the streak up against UF, and we'll we'll stay happy on the fan side. So <laughs> I'll let you have the answer, but just keep beating them, and, and we'll we'll call it even. Uh, I'll ask you this, then we'll let you go. Talk to us about booster support and its importance. We've been doing a lot with the boosters over the last um, several months, and just how it impacts your um, your program and and the pro you know the the sports program in general, but. Talk to us a little bit about booster support and its importance as well. Well, TJ, I'm not real sure unless you're an athlete, uh, you've been on this journey where you can relate to the importance of many of the players that we coach being first-generation college students. First time anybody in their family have ever gone to college. An opportunity to get your education paid for, get a chance to play basketball, to travel, see things. That's just an opportunity of a lifetime. 
And so for these guys to have this opportunity is the direct result of the support that we get from our boosters. They are helping the youngster change the whole culture of their entire family and their life in many cases by helping support this athletic program and giving these guys a chance to go to college and get their degrees. When I graduated from college, obviously my mother went to the seventh grade, my father went to the ninth grade. And all they told me is that they could not be successful in, in life as like they wanted to because they were limited because of their education. So I'm, me going to school and getting my degree and going on to get my master's degree, then I adopted my brother Willie, I adopted my brother Barry, I adopted my sister Pam. I helped all of them go to college. My brother John goes to college because I went to college and it changed the whole culture of our entire family. So my, my brothers, Willie's sons go to college. They get their degrees. They marry someone who got their degrees. My brother John's son goes to college. He gets his degree. My sister Pam's son goes. And so as a result, you change the whole culture of a family. It's so very much important. Right now, you guys judge us so much about how many games we win, how many times we beat Florida, how many conference championships, where we ranked. But in, in reality, what we do as an athletic department, we take teenagers, urging them into young adults, and we change their life and give them a chance to be successful. And I said on, on the show the other day, really, you can't really judge the success of a program, an athletic program, until it's five or six years after kids have gone on. That's when you can be proud of how much the boosters mean to us because they help provide an education and opportunity for youngsters that, that, that makes a difference in their entire life and for generations to come. So I can't say enough about how much I appreciate, and I know I speak for all the athletes and all the coaches, how much the boosters mean to us because you're changing lives, you, you, you're making a difference. Thank you so much for what you do. I want to encourage you guys in this day and time because of the pandemic, everybody is scraping the, 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 penny, the penny banks because we've all been cut, we've been eliminated. It's just been a, a financial burden on all of us. So those we, we thank those who are supporting us, those who can help us out a little bit more during this pandemic. We really appreciate it. But I can speak for, I know our basketball program and everybody who's come, come before us and those who are coming after us, thank you so much for your support. Can't tell you how much you appreciate it, and you have no idea the difference you make in young folks' lives. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's something that we don't often think of, right? We, we see the rankings and the, the Final Fours and the different things like that, but the perspective there is incredible. Coach Leonard Hamilton, we appreciate you so much. I know you got uh, a couple other things to get to tonight, but we appreciate your time hanging out with us for about half an hour tonight and uh, and chatting about the Knowles. I'm, I'm coming up in a couple of weeks for the – Virginia Tech game. I'm excited for it, and uh, I'm excited to get to March. I know we got a couple. Also, what's up with Freddie, man? Hiding from us? Is he? <laughs> did he didn't have his makeup on tonight, or uh, so I'm gonna give you eyebrows, or what's going on with Freddie? Hiding from me tonight. I'm gonna give you the breakdown, Coach. First, my sister wasn't really late for the camera. I, I blame my family for that. But now, nah, what happened is my laptop left with my girl, and she got. Issue with a tire, so she took that to the shop. To the shop and we've been scrambling for this last last hour and a half. Me and TJ trying to figure everything out. <laughs> I'm waiting on the laptop. Hey TJ, we gotta we gotta teach how to use this phone, okay? Oh, <laughs> and we tried him off the phone and didn't everything work, so now I'm off the iPad, and the iPad gives us issues with this. All right, but well, we we give you a pass, friend. And you guys, you guys don't be a stranger, man. 
Y'all show me a little love. Have me on some other time. All right. Will do, buddy. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. We, if you if you come on a couple of times, we might replace Richie with you. We'll okay. Our <laughs> basketball guy. We'll switch right. one out. Pick and roll. I like it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Coach. You have a great evening. Thanks, Coach. Um, I like that he's not willing to give a uh, a national champion and former NFL player and everything else a hard time. He'll he'll give Freddie yeah. some jabs like nobody's business, bro. He's braver. I mean, I guess we coach at FSU. You got more brave braver I love, than me. I love the energy, bro. <laughs> I do too, man. Some great, great questions, great answers. I loved, uh, I loved the question about um, people finding their purpose. Like Freddie asked Freddie's last question about people finding their finding their purpose and you know not being af- afraid to to go out on a limb and do what they need to get done. And I mean, he's so good. Um, Coach Hamilton was yeah. fantastic tonight. Um, I like he, he he's funny, man. I, I'm, I'm excited to see him tweet a picture of that gut box and get that out, uh, get that double fries, no slaw um, going. So uh, while we're talking about it, uh, I think his answer, that's a, a different answer than I, Michael Alford has given us both times, which we loved having him on. It's a different answer than we've gotten from a couple of different people that we've talked to about the boosters, but really the impact that just the athletic organization has in general on the uh, student athletes and not just while they're in school and we're watching them get these top rankings and beat Duke and beat Florida and, 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 and win national championships, but what they're able to do with their lives beyond that and the opportunity that it gives young people. Uh, I just thought that was excellent, excellent perspective and something that we likely don't think about enough. Um, if you haven't yet, we talk about this every single week, but you can go to boosters.fsu.edu and sign up as part of the One Tribe campaign. I saw an update come out this week that they are just about at 50%. You can sign up for $5 a month. That's a $70 a year contribution after your down payment. And for $5 a month, you can contribute to the Seminole Boosters. Uh, we're going to crush that goal. Uh, that they have set. We're almost at 50% now uh, this early in the year. So I'm excited. And uh, if you can go contribute there, we would appreciate it. Um, thoughts on Coach Ham's interview before we get into the rest of the show, guys? Man, he he's a legend, right? You know, he, he won our first ACC championship, uh, conference tournament championship in 2012. Um, obviously won the league outright last year, which I thought, again, I said was, you know, more much more impressive than uh, – you know, a three, uh, three off game tournament, but you know, it, you could hear he preached it, you know, Freddie asked about his faith and, and raising men. When's the last time you heard a Leonard Hamilton player get in trouble for anything? It's Ryan Reed for shooting a BB gun back in like the late two thousands. I mean, that's, that's the extent of it. He's just a, a great molder of men. Um, he's, he's, a, he's a legend. He's a goat. And I've, I was so happy we got to interview him today and you know, it's, I didn't think I could be a bigger fan of him than I already am, but it's it certainly coming on this podcast and taking the time to talk to two nobodies and Freddie. I mean, that's, that means a lot. Hey, speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> Man, I, feel, I feel like I, I let myself down today, man, because while he was talking, I was just thinking in my head, damn, I should have brought a notepad out here to take some take some notes because he's dropping straight gems right now. That's how, that was my mindset. Such a, such a wise man bringing so much wisdom. And I, I see why he's had success 
they're just lucky to have we're lucky to have him as a coach to represent Florida State University, full of class, wisdom, and I hope he can get us a championship soon because he definitely deserves it. Absolutely. There's a, a ton, a ton, a ton of great coaches um at Florida State, and they all really, really represent the program well. And and I'm excited to spoiler alert, talk to some of them coming up here soon. But there is nobody that epitomizes class and excellence like Leonard Hamilton. And that's not a shot at any any other coach anywhere in the world, but just the one of the classiest and most excellent people that I think any of us have ever gotten the chance to to talk to, you know, in or out of sports. And so I'm glad he's a knoll. Um and I'm glad that basketball is going to tip back off this week, Lord willing. And uh, I am going up there not not too long, 12 days from now. I'm taking my daughter to her first game. So hopefully she enjoys that. And uh, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. So, Richie, you're on mute. I know you, you think this yeah, is real. The, this, <laughs> is the Emmy, this is the Emmys or something. Richie going for the wardrobe change in the middle of the show. <laughs> um, like this is a, an award ceremony. And we're all, you know, in Hollywood, hey, but Richie, we'll get to that in a second, but I didn't, I knew we only had a limited amount of time, so I wasn't going to ask him about it, but, uh, it came out today that they're still not practicing, but they expect to have three full practices before Saturday's game against wake forest. So it, that'll be good to, you know, no more football. So get to wake up on Saturday and watch the Knowles again. So that that'll be very, a very welcome to sight back on my television. Absolutely. With, um, football, being over, which we'll talk about that in just a second, but football being over, I'm glad that the Knowles are here and, and we'll have them for a couple of months, right? All of February and hopefully yeah. all of March as well. So and hopefully uh, that first week in yeah, April. Yeah, hopefully too. at least a week in April. <laughs> um, Double Fries No Slaw brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee, 1818 West Tennessee Street, 2550 North Monroe. And then again, as we pointed out, you can go to boosters.com fsu.edu to contribute to the Seminole Boosters. Go get you a $5 double fries box and contribute $5 a month to the Boosters and you'll be all set. 10 bucks, that's a good deal. Um, take your income tax. For, okay, whatever you got. You're, you're good to go there. Uh, Richie, it was a good night last night. in Tampa. It's been a good day. I worked from home today. I was... Bro, I As had did like I. <laughs> three little kids. I don't know how what your Super Bowl party was like, but it was probably very different than mine. There was a bunch of crazy people uh, running around screaming. There were some clothes on, some clothes off, but they were all like under four years old. So it was just like chaos in my house. So it wasn't it wasn't like a drunken Super Bowl party, but it was it felt like it. Uh, Super Bowl parties are different when you're this washed. But uh, man, that defense reminded me of that 2013. Uh, FSU defense. That was that was pretty that was pretty insane. The Bucks win 31 to 9 to move their record to 2 and 0 in Super Bowls. Uh a fun night was had by all Richie. The floor is yours. Yeah, man. I mean, I got my uh victory cigar here. I guess I can drink now that coach Ham is off the pod, but <laughs> what what a what a great night. Um I wouldn't call what we had a party. I think I had a total of 7 people at the house. Um, we had hand sanitizer on the table. So CDC, you're, you're good there. Um, but yeah, man, the game, it, you know, obviously we come out with a three and out and I'm like, oh man. And it, you know, obviously it's a long game, but when it's your team in the Super Bowl, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking, oh, we, we really need to score there. And then I thought it was a huge win when we kept him out of the end zone. Um, when Kansas city got down there to when they were knocking on the door for a touchdown and then the, the, see, I would say the floodgates open cause it was slow the way it all happened, but 
man, uh, we can talk about Fournette, Brady, Gronk, but man, Todd Bowles and that Tampa Bay defense deserve the vast majority of the credit for getting us here in that win yesterday. The fact that Kansas City's only touchdown happened at the airport, that's crazy. I mean, I wonder what the prop bets were of Kansas City not scoring a touchdown in the game. Um, we had a blast watching it. You know, I, I my favorite part of the game might have been that personal foul on Winfield when he he gave the peace side to Tyreek Kill after breaking up that pass. Uh, you know, I, as soon as the game was over, you know, all, all the friends we had, you know, they kind of went home with me and the wife went out. I lit up a victory cigar. I know I was working from home today, so I, I stayed up a little later just watching all the highlights and everything. But phenomenal night, uh, you know, especially after these past few years of Florida State football to have the Bucks come out of nowhere out of 18 years and get their second one. Uh, yeah, don't let the Bucks in the Super Bowl because they'll embarrass you. I, they've shown that twice now. Yeah. Final score of the Super Bowl, 79 to 30, right? 79 to 30 uh, bucks versus opponents in the Super Bowl. So not always the best, but the best when it matters. <laughs> so, um, now the game was a ton of fun. Freddie, did you catch much? Did you, did you get to watch it? Were you, I saw you trying to backpedal on some of those Kansas city tweets, um, <laughs> after the game was over. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's crazy, man. Listen, I think everybody in the world, but not everybody, not, not the people that believe in the books, but so many believed in the Chiefs. We thought this game was going to be dominant on that side with how high powered the offense is. And Tampa completely shocked the world yesterday. I know you could say they had tackles out and all that, but the game still has to be played. If that if that's their excuse, they shouldn't have showed up. Nobody expected that to happen yesterday. And despite all of that, just the defense couldn't get a stop on that offense. It was a complete domination from the first snap of the game. Tampa controlled the game. They controlled the pace. And they made Mahomes uncomfortable the entire game. And after you see what Tyreek Hill did, Tyreek Hill did the first game and what he did yesterday, you just got to give it out to Ty Bowles and that defense because they, they completely dominated that game and made Mahomes uncomfortable. Yeah, it's tough to – you know, once he had the three first half touchdown passes, you knew that unless Mahomes let a comeback, it was going to go to Brady. But if there was ever a way to give an 11 way split for a Super Bowl MVP, it would have gone to the Bucks defense, which was absolutely. And they weren't just good yesterday. They were fantastic against Green Bay. They were fantastic against New Orleans. Uh, they were pretty good against Washington. The Washington game was probably their worst uh, of the playoffs, and they still held them down. Um, pretty good, but the the Bucks defense. Uh, Brady had his best game of the playoffs yesterday. Fournette and and Rojo had their best games of the playoffs yesterday. Gronk had his best game of the playoffs. AB had his best game of the playoffs. Like Godwin wasn't so there. Evans drew cold penalties, but the offense finally for the first time put it together. But the the defense was so um, so fantastic. All throughout the playoffs, I want to say the number ended up being eight times the Buccaneers scored touchdowns on short fields, uh, fields of 50 yards or less in the playoffs because of how good the defense was, right? Like that doesn't, those don't come up as like defensive touchdowns or whatever, but once against Washington, three times against the Saints, twice against the Packers, and then once last night against the Chiefs, uh, where they scored touchdowns on drives that started within the other team's 50. I mean, those are basically layups once, you, once you've once you got Brady and and those guys as your weapon. So the defense was fantastic, um, and the team really put it all together. 
Richie was talking about like if you could have placed a prop bet on I don't even know that on on like the Chiefs not scoring touchdowns, I don't even know that that would have been offered as a prop bet. Like those just not even a thing you would think of to like and and we watching the game even all night. Like once we were up I don't know whatever you know 28 to 6. I mean like I knew it, it was over. Like yeah. it, but but I still expected Kansas City to come back and like score. Oh, okay, well, they, they go get one touchdown or they make it a little closer like you know, 28, 14, and then it's like a two touchdown game, but man, for them to never score. And then the bucks to fight just like they did in 2002 to keep them out of the end zone in that last drive and Devin white to get the pick to ensure that they would not get in the end zone the entire night. Um, I, I just don't know what more you could say about the way that that defense showed up against, uh, not against 80-year-old Breeze with like a torn labrum, <laughs> not against Green Bay, but against Patrick Mahomes. You've got to beat the best. That is, you know, really just outstanding, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't – the craziest defensive performance I've ever seen against a, a team of that caliber, probably since 2002, shutting down the number one team in the – the number one offense in the league uh, in the in the uh, Raiders as well. They were the number one offense in the league coming into that game. And, um, man, yeah. just – Completely dominating. And I'll, I'll just say, man, give Pat Mahomes some credit. He, he played really well. He was running for his life. He was pressured on 30, I think it was 39 or 36 dropbacks. He felt pressure. He ran 497 yards, uh, avoiding pressure. The most of any quarterback in the NFL this year, just trying to run around, did it with a bum toe. And if his receivers could catch, he might have had uh, you know, definitely one, maybe two of the best throws we've ever seen in the Super Bowl. We had the one where he looked like Buddy the Elf. His body's horizontal, throws it 30 yards on a rope, hits his guy in the face mask. Um, you know, even if they make those plays, I still think Tampa's defense was going to be enough to win the way the offense was moving the ball. But Mahomes, you know, his numbers were terrible last night. And that's a product of you know, running for his life all night. But he made some throws, even the ones that weren't caught, that left my jaw on the floor. Like, how did he get the ball there from that position? Yeah, I mean, he was pretty absurd. Like, the one you're mentioning that he was literally, you know, laid out like a short, like, you know, Derek Jeter throwing to first, right? Like, off his back foot and getting tackled and everything else. I mean, and for that to – I mean, just to add insult to injury, I mean, that was a fourth and nine. And for that to be – like hit the wide receiver's face mask in the end zone. Like, you know, the game was over by that point anyway, but the guy just catches it. You know, it's the most incredible Super Bowl play you've ever seen. You know, like it's, it's better than like the David Tyree catch or whatever that like beat that. Yeah. And so, um, Mahomes played his tail off and, and really didn't get a lot of help. Kelsey had a couple of drops. There was a drop on, on the, the drive that, um, uh, that they ended up kicking that field goal to start the game. Uh, another one hit a hit a guy in the face mask um, yeah. on the two yard line, right? So uh, I think that uh, his receivers didn't help him out a ton, but a lot of those throws were forced, and man, it, it all ends up being a credit to the defense. You know, I'm not seeing anybody shut Pat Mahomes down like that. Um, so. Just, <laughs> That's insane. Still, TJ and Freddie, I, I, I would, I want to get your thoughts because there was some debate going on at, at my house last night when, when we were on the goal line and we throw the ball to an offensive lineman and he, he drops it in the end zone. There, I like the play call because if he catches it, no one questions it. But since he did drop it, everyone's like, "Oh, you just run the ball there three times until you get it in." But what were your guys' thoughts when, when you saw that play? 
I say give it to the fullback. That's always my answer. Right? Like, that's the right answer, Freddie. Right? Like, just give the ball to the fullback every time. Go Did ahead. We have the fullback. I don't know. Freddie could have played last night. It's, <laughs> cra- it's crazy. Usually, Brady has a fullback in the system, but Tampa didn't really use one this season. But I like to play. I like to play call. I thought it was a good play call. It's just a good, a good defensive play by the defender, yeah. and you got a guy that isn't used to catching the ball that much. <laughs> got a little happy feet, probably thinking about his celebration and. Ball gets popped out there, but I like I like the call. It wasn't really expected, and I think it's a like you said, if he catches that, then it's a great call. But when he doesn't catch it, everybody says you should have ran it. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. You know, if it works out, you end up saying like, oh, good call. I mean, I remember, or like right when it happened, I looked at my buddy that was over and just said like, I hope that doesn't cost us seven <laughs> points, and it. And and who's to score. say? Like, no, I mean, we didn't score there. We, oh, we got stopped. We got yeah, stopped on the fourth goal. So, right. you know, but who's to say that if we'd have run the ball, that you know, you, you say like, oh, we should have run the ball there. And if they stuff us on three straight plays instead of two straight plays, then you're saying, well, you got the go. Why didn't you pass it? Right. So you just, yeah. no matter what you do there, it's all about execution. I think uh, somebody like Brate or Gronk probably. Um, has a little bit better hand strength to um, pull that in. So I don't know if you could have snuck Braid out, you know, for, for that play action pass or not. I mean, but it is a play that that you you do second guess. I like going forward on fourth and one. I will say that, yeah. you know, so like it's easy to say that I don't like the play call now because I saw how it ended, right? Like if, if we'd have scored there, you'd been like, oh, we, you know, that's the greatest thing we've ever done, you know, but I did like the play call on going for it. You know, you make them go 99 yards and offense that had already struggled through an entire quarter. Um, and they, they obviously couldn't do that. They had to punt and then we came back down and uh, kicked the field goal. They jumped off sides. We scored the touchdown. So it all worked out the right way anyway. Um, if you have an opportunity to make a team drive 99 yards, you, you take it. Yeah. So we did. Um, so I think that that was called the right way. I thought we got some, uh, I thought we got a couple of breaks on on some flags uh, that went our way, but uh, people that get upset about that, if you had to go on your team, then you'd probably get those breaks on calls as well. So suck it. Uh, I've had to watch my team be on the shaft for years getting calls. I will never ap- apologize um, when a ref gives my team a good call. So um, any other thoughts on the on the Super Bowl? Um, now that or the yeah, game there, or anything else? There are a few flags. Um, in the Bucks' favor, that I would have been fine if they didn't call them, but at the same time, they called them right. Uh, and, and the the refs aren't the reason that JPP and Shaq Barrett were living in the backfield all night. It's not the reason that you know Tyreek Hill. Uh, I think he had seventy one yards. D- didn't come close to what the expectations was for him. They the the Bucks. Todd Bull said, "Hey, we're going to go too high the whole game and run the ball on us." And it's funny because when Kansas City did. Uh, for a small stretch, decided to run the ball. They were having success, but you know, it, we talked about it with him. Everybody wants instant gratification. I guess Andy Reid and, and Mahomes got impatient. They're like, no, we're used to scoring quick, and they abandoned the run game that was working because they were behind so much at that point. But the refs aren't the reason you lose by twenty-two points, and it's the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter if you win by one, by a hundred. Tampa Bay Bucks. We are the Super Bowl champs this year, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with Richie. You had a few questionable calls early, but that doesn't change the fact that the Chiefs couldn't stop the Bucks running attack. They were completely lost in the passing game off the play action. I saw guys looking all over the field confused in coverage. 
And then when you go to the other side of the ball, Mahomes was running for his life every play. The refs can't control that. So you can say whatever you want. I don't – the game could have been called perfectly, zero flags, and the Bucs would have still dominated that game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that – I think that if – I think a lot of the breaks went the Bucks' way, but the Bucks made a lot of the breaks go that way. Mike yeah. Evans drew pass interference calls by getting good separation. Um, you know, the Bucks forced a lot of pressure on Mahomes, which made him rush throws, which caused receivers to not necessarily be expecting the pass and drop pass. So, like, yeah, if if every single break in the game would have gone Kansas City's way, right? Like, three guys don't drop passes down the one yard. Yeah, like. And all the flags go there. Yeah, of course the game's going to be different, right? But, like, that's just not how football works, right? Like, the Bucks put themselves in positions to cause their opponent to have to make spectacular plays or, you know, like like the, the, the one pass on the third down where Mahomes is, like, legitimately getting grabbed and, like, spins around and just throws it up. Yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill, like, lays out in the back of the end zone and, if he'd have caught that, you know, if he'd have caught that pass, I mean, you just tip your hat to him and say, yeah. like, hey, man, great catch. You know, great throw, great catch. But, I mean, the Bucks put the Chiefs in a position where, like, those were the kind of plays they needed to make it a game. And so it, not even to win, like, just to make it a competitive game, yeah. they needed those kind of plays. And so, yeah, the, the Bucks dominated their opponent, significantly outplayed the best team in the league uh, for the last two or three years, you know. Yeah. And, and so um, – all credit to them. They've got some very interesting um, guys coming up as free agents this year, but I wouldn't be shocked if some guys like uh, Gronk and AB and, and stuff kind of take hometown discounts to, uh, to to try and run it back and win another one. I wouldn't be shocked if guys like Fournette and um, Sue and, and different guys like try and chase the money um, on one-year deals. I would not be shocked if if Godwin was was not on the team um, next year because I think he can go out somewhere and just get absolutely massively paid. If and if I'm the Bucks, I try to keep. They have so many weapons on offense. I try and keep the defense as intact as possible because what is what Brady has always thrived with is a great defense, and then he can make anybody on offense yeah. into an elite weapon, right? Like that. So and if you if you're able to bring back like Gronk, AB, and Evans. Then I think I'd rather lose Godwin and keep like Levante David and Shaq Barrett and Amakin Sue to keep that defense together yeah. because I think a, a great defense is kind of now obviously you'd love to keep all these guys, but there's just not gonna be enough money to do that. Like you're, yeah, that's and, gonna be impossible. And we won't go into a deep dive of the of the Bucks salary cap, but you know, before the playoffs, I would have said uh, you know, thank you, Mike Evans, and let him walk and pay Godwin, the younger receiver. Um, either way, I I think like you said, Brady's showing he can win with, uh, you know, multiple different, whether he has, you know, Randy Moss, I know they didn't win the Super Bowl that year, but they, they did go 18 and 0 before the Super Bowl. Um, you know, and he's won it with Julian Edelman being his top target. So, and he also knows he's not, he doesn't have a whole lot of deep shots left in his arm, right? He, he, that's what Tom Brady's so great at. He knows his limitations and uh, he, uh, plays the game but with that he approaches the line of scrimmage and I'm like okay I, if I have this deep grade if not I'm checking down that there's no I'm not going to make a bunch of reads I'm not going to scan the entire field I'm not going to scramble he can't scramble but it'll be interesting to see what the bucks do I'm just happy let's enjoy the super bowl second one for the bucks um you know one that I think I'm the only one on the show who picked us to win it and spoiler 
I'm not sure I believed it at the time. I was trying to speak it into existence. And I think it's my goofy rap song that I've been playing the past three weeks that got us there. So, um, no, I, I agree. I think that, I think that we're all a little bit in shock, if not with the result, how it went down. I don't think any of us were, were predicting. I think we we're all kind of like, Oh, here would be the path. If keep it yeah. late, give Brady a chance at the end, but, uh, late in the game, uh, Fourth quarters when the Bucks play the Super Bowl aren't very exciting. Is is all? <laughs> it's all that I have to say. It's only exciting for three quarters. So um, I think that's all we got, right? I, I, Super Bowl, Coach Ham. Oh, signing day came up. I, you know, briefly, if you want to hit on that, Richie. If not, I, it doesn't matter to me. That was almost a week ago now. So signing day thoughts, real quick. Yeah, I mean, it, if you're listening to this, you've already listened to a podcast that recapped it. Florida State finished with the 22nd ranked class in the. Uh, country according to the 2.7 composite uh, they only had one addition but I think it was a big one Destin Hill uh, four-star wide receiver top 150 player out of uh, Louisiana and uh, New Orleans where my wife's from so she'll she'll love this kid his film's electric I'm excited about him but again we don't need to go into details because we 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 know our lane and we're not the recruiting insiders but uh, Freddie I'm interested did you see Hill's film at all because he does look like a dynamic player I saw a little bit of it on Twitter. I saw one play where he made like four guys miss, and that was the only clip I got to see of him. No, no, no. And he beat guys on a few deep threats. So he can run, and he's electric with the ball in his hands. And just based off the reaction we got on Twitter, he has to be a monster. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does when he, when he comes in and what the staff is able to do with him. I think if he gets in the staff and that – then they're able to get their hands on hands on him. He's able to learn the playbook. Then he can be a guy that's an instant playmaker in the offense if he can learn the system. Go ahead, TJ. You see, you see any of that film? Like I said, we know we're not big in recruiting, but that's the only guy we signed. So I, I, I went in and I, I was familiar with him, but I wanted to also look, uh, you know, check out a little more in depth film. And yeah, I mean, he looks like he could contribute. So you. You know, it, supposedly he picked us over Florida, Alabama, and LSU. I don't know if Alabama <laughs> was actually a committable offer, um, but good pickup. So, uh, quick thoughts on that, and then we can get out of here, TJ. Yeah, Mike Norvell continues to impress. We've talked about this. It, obviously, on signing day, this kid's pretty locked in. But if we want to continue to grow and build, it all kind of comes down to wins on the field. Um, we, the question is always asked, what, what do you do first, right? Do you get the kids to commit to convince them that you're going to win, and uh, or do you get the – you know, wins come and then people buy in. Well, Norvell's showing you that he can recruit and he can bring not only guys in through the portal, but also through high school recruiting. And um, they do have to go hand in hand. You can't just do one or the other. You can't just sell, sell yeah. hopes and dreams and not win. But I think Norvell's showing that um, he can at least do that and he can um, get guys that are sought after, uh, maybe not by the Alabamas of the world, um, but by big time programs and blue chip guys to, to come in and be part of what he's building. So I, you know, I, I'm excited um, for, uh, for FSU to get back. I mean, I, you know, not only just this season coming up, which I, I we've talked about, I do think it's gonna be a tough season, but I'm excited for FSU to just get back to being FSU. Um, if they can string some wins together this year, I think that's pretty possible. Um, and I think we're on the upward trend. So I didn't go check out the film. I'll be very honest with you. Um, that's not my lane much at all. But um, you know, I'm excited that he can kind of continue to to bring people in and do work there. So, um, so good news there. Good news on uh, recruiting on signing day. Finished out with a decent class. Nothing crazy, but 
Um, we'll look forward to improve this season coming up. Um, Freddie, you've been getting good traction with your book. I've been see- before we get out of here. I've been seeing it all over, not only the U.S. but the world. Um, we've talked about your book, and later this, I talked with you about this on air, so I'm not just putting you on the spot with this. But um, I want to do a, a show where we really just talk about your book pretty in depth. But uh, can you tell uh, tell the people about your book? Tell them about some of the the different countries that it's been showing up at here <laughs> lately, and. Uh, and then we'll do some shout outs and get out of here. Well, real quick before Freddie goes, I just want to say my my wife is like, you've been doing this podcast with Freddie for so long and you don't have his book. So she actually went and bought it um, and she's reading it right now. She won't even let me touch it. She's like hooked on it. She's only had it for you know a few days that she's been able to read it. And she's like, I've learned so much about Freddie that I never have known just in the first two chapters like some shocking things and it's got me i can't wait to read it now she'll be she'll be done she's a much quicker reader than i am so she'll be done probably by wednesday this week but it's really opened her eyes a lot and she's like it's amazing that you know he he went through what he did and went and won a national title played in the nfl and now he's on the the greatest seminal podcast in the world so (laughs) freddie i'll I'll let you go from there but but you you definitely you got my wife's heart with your book at least the first few chapters so far yeah, and it's crazy because a lot of people they they come to me saying that, especially teammates, like, "Yo, man, you you played with us, and we didn't know that you were going through this." And it just goes to speak on how you never know the battle somebody has overcome or what they're going through. I've never been the type of person to voice what I'm going through. I, like they got this saying that says, "Nobody cares, grind harder." So that was always the model that I I lived by. That was engraved in me early on in my life. No matter what the circumstances, life goes on. You got to find a way to put food on the table. So that was my mindset, and that's kind of built this drive that I have today. And yeah, TJ, it's, it's been a blessing. I it all kind of started last week, I believe. I hopped on a call with some with a guy. He's a forex guy, and the re, the reason I was able to contact with him, get contacted with him. Is some lady that read his book, read my book. She was close with this guy. She was like, I want to connect you with him. I think his story's powerful, and I want to get it out there to the masses. So this guy, he has a pretty decent following on Instagram, like 44,000 followers. And he had me on a, in a Zoom call with about 2,800 people. So I told my story real quick, oh, wow. and everybody's like, like, wow. So they just went blowing up my book. And I didn't know. I'm thinking it's everybody in the United States because the guy lives in Arizona. And I see UK coming up, Ireland and everything. And these people are telling nice. me how my story was powerful. And they're reaching back to me with responses now. So it's definitely been a blessing. And just that guy alone sharing my story, it's been a major, major impact. He reached out to me. And it's crazy because with his platform and the people he's connected with, he personally told me, he's like, man, I want to make sure your book goes to the next level. He's like, I was put on on this platform right here to impact lives. I'm not going to get Hollywood on anybody. He's like, I know that you would do the same if you were in in my shoes. So I've been connected with some people over the past week just because of this guy. And then other people have been reaching out just because of the, they see the success that the books had and some of them tapped into the story. So, I mean, it's, perfect time that coach ham talked about his faith and i'm a firm i'm a strong man of faith as well i believe it's gotten me to where 
I am today and got me through a lot of obstacles, climbed me out of some dark holes. And it's just been a blessing to be in this position to where my story can impact lives. You never know why you're going through things until later on in life. It gives you a little bit of perspective and you appreciate those struggles, those battles. And I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity on this platform to just talk about my story a little bit. And hopefully, hopefully you guys that are listening right now, forget the book for a second. I'm finna get away from the book for a second. We just had Coach Ham on tonight. We just had Coach Ham. Now, we told y'all in 2020, after a few of those guests, that we are going to bring some heat for y'all. We brought in Myron Rule, Kirk Herbstreet, big-time guest, Andy Staples. Now we got Coach Ham. If you ain't sponsoring the Double Fries Pod now, what are you doing? <laughs> you missed a big opportunity to have your brand in front of thousands of people this week because this this pod is going to keep getting replayed all week. That's Coach Hell. Just listening to the gems yeah. he dropped tonight, you missed a major opportunity. And he said he's going to come back on. So take advantage while you can. Like with my story, it translates. You got to take advantage of those opportunities while it's hot. I could have. Like, oh no, I'm busy or thought it wasn't big enough for me. But you never you never know who can hear your story. Like I see I hear a lot of people passing up opportunities because they're worried about who's gonna see it. I would have hopped on that podcast if they would have told me it was only 10 people listening. Because you never know who's listening. All it takes is one person to see your brand, hear your story, and it can change your life. Absolutely no. I mean, Freddie's hundred percent right there. So if you have any interest, shoot any one of us a DM and we'll chat with you about it. Get uh, tens of thousands of eyes and ears and views on uh, your product or service. Um, but going back to the book, I'm going back to the book. I know you got off for a second, but no, I, we appreciate every time you talk about it. Like I said, we got a, we actually got a few. We're going to keep, Freddie's not wrong about this. We're going to keep bringing the heat. We got a few more things lined up for this month, but then either the last episode of this month or the first of next month, um, February being a short month, I want to do a show on Freddie's book. I think that'll be a lot of fun. I want to talk about it. Um, hopefully a month's time from now is enough time for Richie to get this book read. Um, It'll so. be read. I'll, I'll get it done by then. <laughs> like I said, my, so, my wife will be done with it this week and then I'll, I, I can probably knock it out in two days. So I'm, I'll get it done. <laughs> I will not ruin the podcast by being the guy that shows up at book club who watched the movie. I'm gonna have Coach Ham on to talk about the book. If I'm a, I really will replace you with him. He seemed like he seemed pretty excited about that. Maybe you guys can do like one. You know, how like remember when you were in middle school, you would try and like win like principal for a day. Maybe he can come on and host the pod one week, and you can coach the team uh, one week against somebody like terrible, like Miami or something, uh, where you know it's like a sure hey, win with the recruits. <laughs> that, with the recruits that Ham is bringing in, I can beat Miami. Don't, yeah. Don't, 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 <laughs> Don't ask me to coach against Virginia. Uh, I, I can't do that. But Miami, Florida, yeah, I can beat them easy. Yeah. Um. Any shout-outs tonight before we – the game's starting again here on NFL Network. I'm looking at it on the TV over here, so we got to wrap this up. Uh, I'm going to go watch it again and, and drink, uh, drink I all have, over I have a quick one. I, you know, I, I didn't watch a second of it yesterday because uh, the Super Bowl, obviously, but I got to give a shout-out to Florida State golfer Brooks Kepka. He won the uh, Phoenix Waste Management Open yesterday after with a come from behind. 
He holed out with an eagle on 17, representing Florida State. Love it. And then, obviously, the Glazers, Bruce Arians, Tom Brady, Todd Bowles, Byron Leftwich, the entire Buccaneers organization. You brought me so much joy last night, and I'm still riding high off that. So go Bucks. Uh, go ahead, Freddie. Shout out to me for not betting on games anymore, man, because I would have lost <laughs> a lot of money yesterday, man. Shout out to me, man, because for some reason, the game didn't go the way we thought it was going to go, and I was adamant that this Chiefs offense was one of the best in history, and they got completely dominated. So shout out to me, shout out to the bookie, man, for making sure I didn't win those bets because I would have lost a lot of money yesterday. Yeah, I, I liked uh, – I picked the Chiefs, and I almost took them. I almost took them, like, just putting some cash on them, and I almost took um, – them with a bottle of whiskey. I won a bottle of whiskey on the Bucks, uh, or I'm sorry, on the Chiefs against the Bills, and so I was going to bet that same bottle to try and double up. And uh, the guy didn't never hit me back. I told him I'd take the Chiefs, and he never hit me back. And so it's his loss because I was I was pretty sure he was giving me him straight up. I didn't even you know I feel like anytime you get a, a favorite bet straight up, like it's a good it's a good value bet. Like if you don't have to bet the points, you're basically getting a free teaser and. Um, I'm glad he didn't hit me back. So shout out to um, the greatest of all time. Um, does not get enough credit. And we'll have to get him on the pod pretty soon. Gene Deckerhoff calling his second Super Bowl uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I posted the highlights from it this morning. You can go to YouTube and watch the full highlights. I had to kind of trim them down to make sure they fit inside of a two-minute, 20-second clip. But if you go to my page and, and just kind of scroll back to this morning, uh, it's Monday morning. If you're listening later in the week, you can see or go to the media page. I, I haven't been posting as many gifts and pictures and stuff, but go to the media page and check out Gene Deckerhoff's highlights. Or if you just Google uh, or YouTube uh, Gene Deckerhoff, Bucks Chiefs, the the highlights come up. He was fantastic once again. Uh, the very end of Richie, I don't know if you watched it, but the very end of it, he says, fire the cannons. I'm waiting for it. Yeah. You know, fire them. Yeah. And then they start firing the cannons at the end of the game. He's like, keep firing them. Keep firing them. <laughs> Um, so, so good. Maybe we'll make that the, uh, exit music is, is Gene's highlights from the game, uh, so that we can get sued by, uh, local Tampa <laughs> radio, but, uh, shout out Gene Deckerhoff and, uh, man, I thought I had another one and I, I forgot who it was. I, don't, I can't remember if it was like a joke or if it was, Oh, shout out me. Um, Lakers lightning and bucks all in the same year. I never thought that I would see a year where, and then the Rays um, finished in second. I never thought I'd see a year where all of my teams won, basically, minus the Rays. So, uh, pretty cool. I need Florida State to get back to that as well and uh, be happy with that. So, uh, anything else, guys, before we get out of here? No. Lastly, uh, you need to give a shout-out to Chris Godwin for having that Kobe jersey in his locker. I forgot about that. Yeah, no, that was pretty cool. Although – I'm not shouting Chris Godwin out. I, did he play last night or was he hurt? Was he like just doing water for Tom or what was going on? So he, he, uh, he was, I don't want to say he dropped it cause it was a bad throw, but he dropped the first third down pass from Brady, but no, it doesn't matter. Throw. doesn't matter. Got the ring. Yeah, no, I saw a couple of plays where they were, I mean, they intentionally used like Godwin and, and Evans, like in, like they were just straight blocking, on some of those like kind of wheel routes to Gronk and Brayton and stuff like that. So they weren't even really going out. So great game plan by, um, by the Bucks offense, left, which was great. Bowles was great. And the team was great overall. So, uh, we will be back next Monday night. 
Uh, Valentine's Day is Sunday, and so we thought it not a good idea to do a show on Valentine's Day night. My wife and I have actually – we are going out with both kids. That's our date night um, is all four of us. So um, we'll be back next Monday night, another exciting episode. May or may not have uh, some more coaches lined up to talk with in the next couple of weeks. So come back Monday night and hang out with us um, and take your lady out for Valentine's Day if uh, if you forgot that it, it was Sunday night. So I think that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Here's the approach. Toe hits leather. Let's go, Bucks. KC8. Here's the snap out of the gun. Play action fake. Pass to Gronkowski. He's going to score a touchdown. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Holy guacamole. 15-yard line of Kansas City. Here's the snap. Play action fake. Brady looking, Brady looking, looking, looking. Throws toward the end zone. Caught ball. Touchdown, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady takes the snap. Play action fake. Looks toward the right. Throws toward the right. Caught ball. Is it a touchdown? Is it a touchdown? Yes. Clearing the throw to him. Here's the snap. Run the ball to the right. Got a blonde boy to the 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. The snap and looks to his left. Looking left under pressure. He is going to sack at the 21-yard line. Mahomes third down and 13. Mahomes looking, looking under pressure. Throws the ball upfield. It is knocked away at the 50-yard Intercepted. line. Intercepted. Intercepted. Picked off off a of deflection. Bucks have the football. It's Antoine. Winfield. Snap a good one. Here is the kick. It's got the distance. It's got the distance, and it is good. Buccaneers get a 52-yard field goal from Ryan Suckup. Uh, first down from the 40. Mahomes dropping again, looking, looking, looking to his right. He will be sacked. He is dropped inside the 35-yard line. Second sack of the game turned in by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> to the 11-yard line. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directed. No, toward the end down. Battle intercepted. Picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. There will be no repeat. The kingdom will go home sad. And the Buccaneer Nation will celebrate. And I want to hear cannons. We do. We do I want to hear cannons. cannons. For sure. And I think we are going to hear cannons. If I got to do the boom, boom, boom myself. Bucks win. Bucks win. Bucks win the Super Bowl 55. Tom Brady engineers the offense. The Buccaneers score late in the first half, early in the second half. And there are the cannons the come. Cannons. Fire them. Keep yeah. on firing them. Keep on firing them. How about the Buccaneers, huh? Seven and five after November. Now this is our eighth consecutive win. Franchise records. Celebrate, Buccaneer fans. Hoist that Lombardi.